Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today is episode number 453, Navy veteran to NASCAR driver with Jesse Iwuji. Um, after doing the test, after doing a lot of simulators later time, for about three or four months, I finally was ready to jump into my first late model stock car race, which is like the lowest level in NASCAR. Um, and uh, the team told me, hey, it was going to cost me X amount of money, which was $5,000 at a time, um, to run this race. And, uh, you know, any damage, you got to pay for it. So I was like, okay, cool. Don't crash. <laughs> so I did that, and that was what got me into my, second, my first race. And then the second race, I had to find more funding. I found it through a crowdfunding campaign for a lot of people who were supporting me. Um, that got me into my second race. My third race, I got into that just using a credit card. And then after that, I had no more money. And uh, at that point, after all the marketing efforts that I had been working on over the last year, after all the networking and contacts I've been gaining, I finally was able to find a sponsor. Well, this is really an inspirational episode. Jesse is a case study in pursuing one's dream, figuring out what unique aspirations you have, finding others to hold you accountable, and not letting the opinions or doubts of others get in your way. Jesse talks about how he used a Kickstarter campaign, credit cards, and his personal savings to inch his way closer, one race at a time, to becoming a NASCAR driver. We talk about advocating for yourself, how to run a crowdfunding campaign, and how to train day in and day out to make your dreams come true. The topics we cover in this episode are relevant to every single career path. Whether you too want to become a NASCAR driver or want to start your own business or write a book or whatever your personal goals may be. If you like this episode, check out our show notes at beyondtheuniform.org, where in addition to resources we discuss in this episode, I also list three other episodes very similar to this one. This episode originally aired all the way back in December of 2018 is episode 227. Since then, in August of 2021, Jesse announced that he was partnering with Pro Football Hall of Famer Emmett Smith to start an Xfinity Series team for the 2022 season, Jesse Iwuji Motorsports. With that, let's dive in to my conversation with Jesse. Well, joining me today in Southern California near L.A. is Jesse Iwuji. Uh, Jesse, welcome to Beyond the Inform. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. So I wanted to give listeners a quick background on Jesse, but I will include in the show notes a link to his Wikipedia page because I think it's uh, he's got a fascinating background, and this does not do it justice. But Jesse is the first active-duty U.S. Naval officer to compete in NASCAR. He is also the founder of the Red List Group, which is an auto racing event company bringing drag racers together from the West to compete for trophies and cash prizes at track events. He started out at the Naval Academy, after which he served as a surface warfare officer for seven years before transferring to the Navy Reserves. So, um, Jesse, you know, I've, I've read about your background, but I would just love to hear from you uh, the story of how you first became interested in racing. I know that you were active at the Naval Academy on both the football team and the track and field team, but where did uh, racing enter into the whole equation? Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey so far. Um, you know, going from being in the Navy to racing at NASCAR, it's something that a lot of people didn't see happening, but um, we were able to make it happen through a lot of hard work and grind. But, yeah, I mean, I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, and, you know, a lot of people know that Texas uh, high school football is a big thing. So being a high school football player in Texas, my ultimate goal was to go to college and play college football. 
when the Naval Academy came knocking at my door uh, around uh, junior year, senior year in high school, I was like, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity for me to go to the great school to get a great education, play for a great football team, and then serve in the United States Navy afterwards. So I took that offer, went to the Naval Academy, played football all four years there, um, ran track there too. And then when I graduated, I became a surface warfare officer. Um, you know, my first duty station was uh, in San Diego, where I was on board two different ships over a course of four years, went on two different deployments with them. But during like the entire time, I was really growing this uh, new passion towards motorsports. And that was happening because I didn't have football anymore. And I was trying to find something else that was extreme um, to get into. So, um, you know, I had bought a Dodge Challenger. I used to take it to drag strips and run it for fun. I had a Corvette that I used to take to different road course uh, track days to just, you know, get uh, seat time, track time. And after doing that for uh, about four four years or so, after my second deployment, um, you know, I came home and I was like, you know what? I want to take it to the next level. I want to go from this amateur stuff to racing professionally. And that's really kind of where that whole NASCAR journey began um, towards the end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And, and what did that look like then? So once you, you knew that you really wanted to give this a shot, how did you start, you know, preparing for that? How did you start making inroads? I, I imagine, um, you know, of the active duty listeners listening to this podcast, there's probably a lot that this is like their dream job. So how did you start to make that a reality? Yeah, to make it a reality, it wasn't easy at all. So, um, you know, while I was on my second deployment in the Arabian Gulf, you know, during uh, watch and stuff like that. If I had any free moments, you know, um, I, uh, I had a pretty cool watch team and me and a couple of the guys would always just talk about like what we wanted to do when we came home and stuff like that. And some of them wanted to go the entrepreneurial route. Some of them, me, I wanted to race, you know, all that stuff. So we came on talking about how to make that happen. So after watch, we would have these little, uh, uh, group sessions where we would discuss what we needed to do next to get to our goals and get to our dreams. It was all this little, like, you know, little mini, uh, I would say dreamer session where we could just be there trying to figure out what we wanted to do. So for me, uh, what I did to get ready was um, I figured, you know, because I didn't have a ton of money, I was like, well, the, a good way to get a uh, seat time to kind of prepare myself to get on track was using a simulator because the simulators nowadays are really, really good. So, I, you know, I, I would do like 100 to 200 laps on the simulator every single night uh, after work, and I would just do that every single night to help prepare myself. I went and did uh, like four or five tests with the racing team that I was going to try to be with um, before I started racing at a lower, you know, late model stock car level. You know, I did a few tests with that team, and that went really well. Um, after doing the test, after doing a lot of simulators later time, for about three or four months, I finally was ready to jump into my first late model stock car race, which is like the lowest level in NASCAR. Um, and uh, the team told me, hey, it was going to cost me X amount of money, which was $5,000 at a time. Um, to run this race and, uh, you know, any damage, you got to pay for it. So I was like, okay, cool. Don't crash. <laughs> so I did that. And that was what got me into my second, my first race. And then the second race, I had to find more funding. I found it through a crowdfunding campaign for a lot of people who were supporting me. Um, that got me into my second race, my third race. I got into that just using a credit card. And then after that, I had no more money. And uh, at that point, after all the marketing efforts that I had been working on over the last year, after all the networking and contacts I've been gaining, I finally was able to find a sponsor. Um, and uh, we, were, we were a sponsor for the rest of that season in 2015. And that's what got me through year number one. 
That is so awesome. So there's there's so much there that um, I admire. I just kind of want to unpack for listeners. So I, I love, first of all, that it wasn't just an idle dream. It wasn't just this is what I want to do. I, I think it's so actionable for listeners, this whole thought of, uh, I'll just call it your dream team. You had this group of, of people on your ship and you were you were keeping this alive. And it sounds like you were keeping this um, actionable. And, I, and I'm wondering, like, was there, were they like kind of, loosely holding you accountable and like checking in with you or like how did they support you on this journey yeah so of our group two of us were truly 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 like go-getters like the rest of them like had ideas and wanted to do something and they kind of clinched to the group because that was the only way they were going to be around people who were going to actually go do something you know but then when it all came down to it only two of us uh, really were the true go-getters, and we actually went out to achieve stuff. So um, me and him, we did hold, hold ourselves accountable by trying to talk to each other somewhat on a weekly basis. Uh, as we became a little bit more and more successful, we became more busy. So we have not been able to talk every week, but uh, I still do my best to try to call him um, every couple weeks or so, and we normally will get on phone maybe once every month or two now. Um, but it's good when we get on phone because we'll talk for about an hour. And even though his business that he's doing is way different than what I'm doing, um, we just bounce ideas off each other. So we'll get on phone and he'll, I'll, I'll be like, tell me everything going on right now in your life. How's the business going? Where's it going? What's the next step? Everything. Just tell me everything. And then he'll talk about all that stuff. And then I'll tell him everything going on in my life. And in doing that and throwing around these ideas and putting our energy together, it'll spark more ideas. You know, so that you know, I'll, I'll listen to the stuff he's doing. I'm like, wait, I can apply that same concept to what I'm doing, and maybe it might work for me in this other way, you know, and things like that. And that's been super helpful. And now his company is worth like 10 to 15, somewhere in the 10 to 15 million dollar range after it, it began in 2016. That's so awesome. And I mean, I, th- I think for listeners, especially if you're planning to do what Jesse did and and take a path from the military to a much less traditional career. I mean, Jesse's the first person to do this. Um, you know, realize that there are no shortage of people that are going to poke holes in your dream to do that and no shortage of people that are going to tell you all the reasons that you can't do it. And so I respect that Jesse surrounded himself with another individual and group of people who were cheering him on and also seeking their own dream. And and it's just, uh, I think that's such a cool way to, to have that reinforcement of what you're going after. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, th- and that's the thing, too. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to try to poke holes in the dream. There's going to be a lot of people who don't believe in it. And some of them aren't going to believe in it because they're just, they're just negative people. Um, but there's going to be some who don't believe in it because not because they don't like you or something. They, can, they could care about you, you know, and think the world of you. They just don't believe in it because they can't see it. Like at the end of the day, we're all as people, every single person is given a certain vision of where life can be and where it could take them. And we all have our own vision. And my vision that was given to me to become a NASCAR driver, that wasn't given to you. So there's like no way in the world you could have ever saw me doing what I was, I'm doing now a few years ago because you weren't given my vision. And I can't, I can't be mad at you that you weren't given that vision. Like it was given to me for a reason, for me to go achieve it. So we all have to recognize that everyone's given a particular vision. And just because you see someone going out there to try, try to accomplish something that might seem crazy out, of, you know, out in the wild, like, like – too wild, too impossible. Don't, don't, don't doubt them because they're doing it because somebody 
something higher than us put that vision in their head that that's where they, what they can do. And as long as they fully and sanely believe that they can make it happen, they have complete faith that they can make it happen, and they put a ton of action on a daily basis to make it happen, they will go achieve it. I, I love it. And, and what I... I mean, I just love everything you're saying. I love about being open to that that vision, not resenting others for not having the same vision, realizing the, the personal nature of this. But what I respect just as much is the the elbow grease you put behind this. You know, 200 laps, you know, 100 to 200 laps every single night after you've been on watch, after you've been working, that takes a lot of dedication. And then also having the... Uh, I don't know, the fortitude to put your money where your mouth is. And I can imagine, you know, five grand's a lot of money and putting that on, you know, your first race and having the risk of damaging the car and then finding, you know, the the, the moves that you had and finding the, the Kickstarter campaign and the credit cards and just kind of different ways to make it work. It wasn't like you set out to do this and you got sponsorship right away. You had to bet on yourself multiple times and convince others to take a bet on you. And I think that's just really inspiring. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it takes. And that's what people have to understand when you're going after whatever goals and dreams in life. Like, you have to invest in yourself first. There's no way in the world others will invest in you more than you've already invested in yourself. So if you haven't invested anything, you know, you're not don't, – don't expect someone to go put a dime in you. They can't. Like, how, how, can, how can I give you money if you haven't even put money into yourself? Like, you haven't even put any skin in the game. How am I going to put my skin in the game? You know, so – so that's what you got to know, and you're just going to invest in yourself. You got to find a way to make it happen, whether it's money, whether it's finding a good network, whatever you got to do to invest in yourself, you know, training physically, whatever you're going after in life, you got to invest in yourself before others invest in you. And that is a key, key part that people have to understand. And it, it, it helps weed out the people who are just talkers who aren't really doers. And, and, and the people who are really doers, they'll get through the thick, they'll get through all the all the all the smoke and the and the and the hard 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 life <laughs> at first they'll get through it and those are the ones that are going to eventually win in the end so so i have i have two questions kind of in this vein so this is you know the 230th episode i've had interviewing a veteran and one of the most common problems that veterans face is selling themselves. At least half the guests I've had on the show talk about how when they go into their first job interview, it's really tough for them to sell themselves or to um, advocate for themselves. And so I'm thinking of, you know, let's just take in particular, when you did this crowdsourced funding campaign, that that took guts to put yourself out there like that. And so the, 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 the two questions I had here is just, first of all, any advice for someone who might not be used to advocating for themselves and how to approach that? And then second of all, any advice you have on running one of these crowdfunding campaigns to try to get support? Yeah, so um, that is very true. It is, it is very tough to, to, to be your own agent, basically. Um, it, it's tough because, yeah, it is tough putting yourself out there like that. For me, it was tough. And honestly, um, the, crowdfunding, the crowdfunding campaign worked very well for me. It allowed me to accomplish, you know, part of the mission. But it, at the same time, too, at the very end of it, I told myself I'll never do it again. <laughs> I was like, never again. I will find, I'll find other ways to, to, to get the funding, but I will not do that. Because, I mean, you had to really put yourself out there. Not that I have a problem putting myself out there, but you're basically – 
at the end of it, just pretty much begging everyone for money. You, so, so you're like you're sending like, <laughs> like emails and call. Are you like calling people and emailing oh, just everyone yeah. you've ever met? Yeah. Mm. Everyone and more, everyone. But because the story was so authentic and good, and people wanted to support this 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 first, you know, something that was interesting. That's what helped it. If I, if they didn't have a strong story behind it, it wasn't going to go anywhere. And that's the big thing with people when you're going after whatever you're going after. Make sure there's a strong cause, reason, and story behind it. If there's not, it's going to be very hard for people to support it. But yeah, putting yourself out there, you got to be able to market yourself. Whether you're going after some job, you're trying to start some business, you're trying to do whatever in life, you have to learn to market yourself. To market yourself, you got to know what makes you, your story, your venture special what makes it different than all the other ones and and what um what in it because of it being different and special why is that going to help give someone a return on their investment if they're going to invest in you and and that and 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 like going out going after some special job you know that company is investing in you they're going to pay you money how much ever money it is they're going to pay you because they're going to invest in you they want to know that you are better than everyone else so you as a person have to know that because you were in the military you you're i'm not saying you're we're, we're better than everyone, but you have to think that you are, <laughs> you know, for that instance, getting in front of somebody, it's just you and that interviewer or you and that investor or you and that whoever it is, you and them, it's just you and them in the room. No one else is watching. You're not on social media with ages, you and them one-on-one. So you have to be your biggest cheerleader and tell them everything you've done. You know, you don't got to be arrogant, but you've done things that a lot of people, uh, 99% of the entire world's population has never done, has never seen, and will never, ever get a chance to do it. Because you did it, that makes you ridiculously special. So you got to be able to know how to to portray that and let them know this is where I've been. This is what I've done. The people I've led, the equipment I've operated, the equipment and people I've been in charge of. Um, this is what I, I, this is how I've taken a project from point A to point B and made it successful. This is how many times I've done things like that. This is what makes me great, and this is where I'm going to take you if you believe in me. And if you're able to do that, that's going to take you super far. You can't be scared. You have to be able to do it. Don't be shy. Be like, well, you know, I don't want to talk about I did this or I did that. Well, you have to. You know, at the end of the day, you have to. You have to market yourself. Marketing is huge. If you don't know how to market yourself or don't learn how to market yourself, you're never going to go anywhere with anything in life. I love it. I mean, I love what you're saying, and I think this is so important for, you know, whether listeners are interested in NASCAR, whether they're interested in starting a company, whether they're interested in just interviewing for a job, no matter what they do, this is an important message of being able to market yourself. And I love the the energy you bring to the conversation around that. What about, um, what does your day-to-day life look like? I'm just curious, like, what your regimen is now. Now you're not sitting in a, in a bunk on a ship doing a simulator. What's, what's life look like on a day-to-day basis now? Yeah, so for my first year, um, not active duty and in the reserves, I actually had a day job. I was working as a director of marketing and sales at Magnuson Superchargers, um, but I actually just uh, left that um, about a month ago because I just started my second um, business venture. So um, my other business venture that I have is the Red List Group. So I put on drag racing events at, at, at drag strips in California. Um, they've been going really well. We typically get crowds of anywhere between, you know, 1,000 to 2,500, actually 1,000 to 3,000 people coming to the events with anywhere from 100 to 185 cars racing at the events, cars or trucks. Um, so really, really good events. They've been going well. We put on about four a year now um, on different weekends. And um, in 2016, uh, the three event weekends that I put on 
um, the profit I made from it was enough to cover my entire racing season, uh, NASCAR racing season. So um, they've been doing really, really good. Um, the second one I just, I'm getting started now is actually I am getting started a, uh, a, uh, a trucking company. So I'll be putting on, uh, or not putting on, sorry, I'll be in the trucking industry now. I'm not a driver. I have a driver that I, I brought on board. But um, I've gotten into the industry because I saw the potential and opportunity for success in it because there's a shortage of trucks, a shortage of truck drivers, and there's a lot of people needing to ship stuff. So there's demand. And when I saw that, I was like, that's where I need to be. So um, uh, that company is kicking off, and the truck should be on the road hauling its first load here in the next seven days. So that's been uh, that's kind of what I do. Uh, on the other stuff I do is I, I still do my simulator laps every day. I, pr- I spend about an hour to two hours on my racing simulator every day. Um, I try to wake up in the morning when I'm when I'm being good. I wake up in the morning anywhere between five to six a.m. Um, to get my day started. I start grinding from there. I don't go to sleep until midnight. Um, if I find myself going to sleep before midnight, it's because I have to be up like earlier than 5 a.m. for something. Um, besides that, uh, midnight is normally my cutoff. So I can try to get like at least five to six hours of sleep. Um, throughout the day, I'm handling a ton of emails, a ton of calls for the businesses stuff, their business stuff, and then also media things. Um, I have uh, I've been doing like uh, more and more TV related things over the last uh, couple of years, and it's been increasing more and more. I actually just shot an episode for a major TV network uh, yesterday. <laughs> so um, I can't disclose it yet until it airs, but it's going to be pretty good. But, yeah, there's just uh, a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I'm busy from early morning to late night every day, and that's what you got to do to get to your goals. you got to be willing to put in 18-hour days every single day with no off days. I don't, I don't have a single off day. That's awesome. And for listeners, I'll add this to the show notes. What's the what's the name of the trucking company that you're you're starting right now? Yeah, so the trucking company is called JBJE Transportation. So um, it's gonna. Be, I have one eighteen wheeler right now. It's gonna be well semi truck. I don't have a trailer with it yet, but uh, it's gonna be hauling just general freight type goods. So you know, just regular the regular eighteen wheelers you see on the highway, just hauling dry van. Um, that's what it's going to be doing. And then eventually I'll have more trucks. I want to eventually get it to the point, you know, over the years, however long it takes to get it to a thousand trucks. That's the goal to have a thousand trucks on the road at any given time running. I love it. I love also with that. It's not like you set this goal, achieved it. And that was it. Like you're, it sounds like you're constantly setting new goals. You're constantly striving for different things. And I, I just think that's a great way to stay active and continue to grow. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what you got to do. I mean, and, and once again, the, even the trucking thing, like it, I'm, I'm, I have no family in the trucking business. I've never been in the trucking business. I didn't know anything about it, but I saw opportunity and being a military person, like all of us military people, we learn to be very resourceful. So when you, I saw something good, I became resourceful to, to learn what I needed to learn about the industry, learn what, what it took to get into the industry. And then from there, I didn't have extra money to go buy a truck. So I was like, huh, how can I get a truck? Yeah, well, both of my brothers are doing pretty good in life right now with their uh, business or with their um, uh, medical device sales companies that they work with. Uh, they had some extra money saved up, so I was like, "Hey, you want to jump in this with me?" They became the investors, and I I'm running all the operations, and we put it together, and boom, there you go. You got a trucking company. What about? Um, could you talk us through like what does your preparation look like for a race day? 
Race day, um, so it really starts race week. Uh, you want to stay super, super hydrated through the week, so I'm making sure I'm drinking a ton of water each day, coconut water, and then um, the day before the race, you drink Pedialyte, um, just so I can have enough electrolytes and everything. Um, I'm, I'm on the simulator throughout the week, practicing that particular track all week, each night, um, trying to get a bunch of laps in. Uh, the goal is to at least get, at least during that week, if I can get at least 150 to 300 laps at that track during that week, that'd be great. And then, and then I normally will get to the track the day before the race. Um, we sometimes we'll do some media stuff with TV and local news and all that stuff, or some paper, newspapers or you name it. And then race day, um, it just gets crazy busy from seven in the morning till the end of that night. Um, it's busy. We have pra- multiple practices. You have uh, qualifying rounds in the mid afternoon. Then you race typically at night. And uh, that, that those days are pretty busy. And then the next day fly out usually back home and get on the grind for the next week how does um i'm just thinking of of listeners who are in the military who may have also been athletes um how how do you find the you know when the race starts how does that compare you know apart from like the obvious mechanics here but like how does that compare mentally and physically and emotionally to the feeling you had at the start of your races in track and field or when you were playing football? It's very similar. I mean, you still have the same butterflies in your stomach. You're still nervous. You don't know what's going to happen next. Um, you know how to control you, but there's so many other factors that are uncontrollable. Same thing in football. Like, I know that I'm certain a certain speed, a certain size, you know, a certain height. I can, my abilities are a certain level, but I have no clue what this guy on the other side of the ball is about to do. You know, so... Um, it's the same thing in racing. Like once, once the green flag drops, you have no clue who's gonna do what, who's gonna wreck right in front of you, who's gonna hit you, bump you, get you know, cut you off, who's gonna race you hard. You don't know what's gonna happen, and you don't know what lap anything's gonna occur. So you just out there driving, and you're just the whole time you're just like, wow, okay, just drive my race, and hopefully all all goes well. That's awesome. And, and I believe right now you're you're driving on the NASCAR Canaan Pro Series West Circuit. What does it take for you to advance to the NASCAR Cup Series? Yeah, so um, I was driving NASCAR Canaan Pro Series a lot this year in the ARCA Series. I actually just recently um, moved up to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. So uh, that was like the next level up. So I just moved up to that. Um, I, I've run two races in the Truck Series so far, with the last one being last weekend. Um, the next step for me would be to move up to the NASCAR Xfinity Series and then the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, to move up there, big thing is just experience and funding. Um, the more funding you have, um, the better, because then it'll allow you to, 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 to race at those levels. And then experience-wise, you know, I just want to get faster, better, so that when I get to those levels, I'm even more competitive. Is, is when, when you talk about getting funding, is that a proactive process? Like, are you having to go out and approach these people, or is it basically if you perform, they will come to you? Like, how, how does one obtain a, a, a sponsor or funding? It happens both ways. Um, yeah, if you perform, some will come. Um, and it's not only just on-track performance. A lot of these sponsors, these companies are looking for a good return on their investment by you being a great influencer for them. Um, because for their brand, you know, just them having a logo on the race car doesn't always do a ton for them. They want you to be, you know, a really good brand ambassador for them. They want you to go to meet and greet. They want you to um, promote them on, on your social media channels, do commercial stuff with them, you name it. So you're a brand ambassador for these companies when they're sponsoring you. So 
And when you're good at that, sometimes companies will just approach you because of that. They don't even care how you're doing on the track. They're just like, wow, you're great off the track. And being great off the track makes sometimes makes them, actually a lot of times makes them more money than you being great on the track. So, um, yeah, the big thing is just uh, doing your best to do well on the track, you know, but at the end of the day, it's how you market the companies off the track that's what's going to keep them around. That's awesome. And, and um, one other question, because I, I want to, if we have time, I want to talk about the, the other things you're up to. But while we're on the NASCAR side of things, uh, if someone listening aspires to go into NASCAR, is there any other advice you would give to them or, or resources you would recommend or anything that might help them in that pursuit? Um, yeah, so... Uh recommending just towards you know like if they wanted to pursue something in nascar exactly yep yeah yeah um it just just depends what they want to do i mean racing wise um you know you're going to need to get some training first on the simulator that always helps before you even want to jump on a track just so you kind of know what you're doing and then when you're wanting to jump on a track you just want to start at the lowest level possible and work your way up nascar has multiple series the lowest level series is a nascar wheeling all-american series that's like late model stock cars. You can go to a, a short track in your hometown or in your area and and run with a team out there. Literally just go there, visit all the teams that run at that track and be like, hey, who has an available car that you know I could run? And they'll tell you, hey, I got an available car. It costs X amount. If you can bring that funding, you can run it. And, and that's how you do that. And then as you want to work your way, after you do that for a little bit, you'll start learning how you and what is necessary to work your way up. You know, but it first starts with just kind of start at a low level. For people who just want to get into the industry, who just want to work in NASCAR, let's say they want to work for a team, they don't want to drive, want to work for a team, you know, once again, start at a lowest level, go find a team at a local short track near you and, um, you know, work with that team so you can learn the ins and outs of a race car and how to work on them and what happens on race days. Then from there, you know, go to the next level. Okay, now I want to work on a team at the next level and so on and keep working your way up. But the more you learn, the harder you work, the better things will be. Um, and then eventually you just want to be in North Carolina because that's where everyone's at. That's, um, but that's there's tracks all over the U.S. Yeah, so, um, and then uh, and then working in the industry as far as not being on a team, not driving, but working for NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR has tons of positions out there in terms of things and opportunities for people, um, you know, go to NASCAR.com, hit their career button or whatever they have on there. You can see all the different things. So there's a lot of ways to work for NASCAR, the league, and uh, those guys and girls have a lot of fun doing that. That's awesome. And, and for people who might be space-constrained like you were on a ship, is there a particular simulator you'd recommend that might uh, might fit in tight quarters? Um, yeah, tight quarters... You could, so a, a G27, um, it, basically it's a steering wheel with a, with pedals and a shifter. You can get that and actually hook it up to like a desk. Um, it's not the most optimal way to do it, but you can do it. And um, and you need your screen and then and then you'll need like a, a gaming laptop or something. Like, or you'll need a gaming laptop. You don't really need a screen. A gaming laptop that can handle the iRacing software. iRacing is the software you use for the simulator. Um, you could do that, and you could actually probably make that work on a ship. Um, not the most optimal way of doing it, but you can make it work. <laughs> That's rad. That's rad. Well, I know we, we touched briefly on the, the Red List group, but I, I did want to just ask about your involvement with Patriot Motorsports Group as well as the Phoenix Patriot Foundation, um, if there's anything you'd want to make sure listeners know about that. 
Yeah, so um, from 2015 through end of 2015 through uh, summer this year, um, I was with Patriot Motorsports Group, and I recently just left the team because I moved up to the next series, and I'm on a different team now. But um, yeah, uh, I was with them for a while. We did a lot of great things. Um, uh, Phoenix Patriot Foundation was a um, uh, very military-centric foundation that um, we had. Um, uh, part of our, some of our uh, races and stuff like that. Um, mainly, really, they were on board a lot of it 2015 when I first started racing. And the big thing with them is we were honoring different vets by having their name on a race car and all that stuff and bringing them to the track, giving them a VIP experience. They got to hang out in the pits uh, during the race. They were in the suites, watching the race, food, drinks, all that stuff. So that was really cool doing that with them. And then I, since then, I've worked with uh, 208 Cares, where we helped give away a house to um, uh, a military vet. Um, and then I, I've worked with uh, our Fallen Hero Foundation. Um, they, they, uh, we honored another fallen vet on our, um, on our uh, race car during um, the Chicago race this year. And we got to bring the mother of the, of the fallen soldier um, to the race. And, you know, she was super emotional about the whole thing and, you know, just had an amazing time. And uh, we've, we've done things with Operation Home Connect, with BBMC Mortgage, and all that. So a lot of different ways. We try to find ways throughout the years to work with different uh, military foundations and charities to help uh, honor service members and give back any way we can or just bring awareness to whatever they're doing. Uh, we've really worked hard to do that. That's awesome. Well, I, uh, I know we're, we're short on time here, but I always like to leave the, the last question open-ended. And I, I've, you know, for one, I've been extremely energized by the conversation and seeing your example of dreaming big, you know, finding a dream that resonates with you, pursuing that relentlessly and continuing to evolve. I think you're just a great role model on all three of those. Um, but I wanted to make space to, to see, you know, what have we not talked about that you want to make sure that um, listeners know before we wrap up? Um, one big thing is for anyone out there, no matter what you're going after, whatever your goal is in life, it doesn't even have to be business. doesn't have to be racing, sports, whatever. It could just be maybe relationship goals or, or family goals. You know, you want to raise some great kids, whatever it is, whatever your goal is in life, there's simple concepts that you just really need to apply to all of it. Um, one of them, uh, important one, which is a quote from Les Brown. He said, um, someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And what that means is there's always going to be negative people out there. There's always going to be people who tell you this, tell you that, and tell you that you are this and you are that. And a lot of us will fall into a trap where we start believing that and we start believing these people's opinions and we can't do that. You know, you don't, you do not have to let someone's opinion of you become your reality. You and only you can create your reality. Don't fall into a trap where their opinion becomes your reality. And the second part is, um, no matter what we're going after in life, um, is it, you're going to have some successes and then you're going to have some fails. Um, some of your fails might happen a lot more than the successes. Some of the fails might happen a lot more early than before any success happens. And you just have to know, um, no matter what happens, you, you can never, ever quit. And let and um, uh, Eric Thomas said it best. He said, "Even in the darkest point of the night, the sun will rise." So just know, no matter what, that sun will eventually rise. It, it, it all the night is happening just to, to weed out the people who aren't strong enough for the success that's about to come. So 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 push through it. 
even when everyone quits, that breaking point where it's time to quit, that's actually time to just take a nap for a second, wake back up, take another step. I love it. Well, Jesse, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story with the Beyond the Uniform audience, and it's been great chatting with you. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our Chief of Staff, Steve Bain, our Editor, Lex Brown, and our Head of Social Media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. Third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for-purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career in life.